Hi everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Photography Chats. We're just waiting for Tony to get in here. And uh, once Tony gets in here, then uh, we'll get the chat going. Hope you all are having a good week so far. Um, yeah, so we'll see when Tony gets here. And it was pretty late, his time in Brittany. But um, yeah, thanks for joining me. There he is. There's the guy. Let's get Tony in here. Hey, Tony. Hey. hey, how's it going? Not bad, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, so it's, it's great to have you. Um, you know, Likewise, thanks. thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so these are like really sort of impromptu and um, not really like scripted or anything. Um, so it's just like um, chatting about like what you like doing as a practice, um, you know, what kind of stuff like gets you going about like photography or creating. Um, and then whatever pops up in the chat is people join in and out and, you know, ask questions. Perfect. Look, Sounds good. That's how I roll. I was literally just watching a couple of like photography videos and stuff as well. That just, cause I, I tend to watch a lot of stuff like that on YouTube, just like people shooting and trying out films and whatnot. And I've been telling myself I'm trying to do a little bit less of that and just actually just do more shooting myself. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, what is it? The like think less, shoot more kind of thing. What's up, yeah. Not For Sale? What's up, Ben? You had some other mm -hmm. joining us here. Um, what kind of videos were you watching before uh, hopping on here? Uh, there was a video by, is it Jason from Grainy Days? He was doing, he did oh. like a video where he grew up. Yeah. Okay, so I gotta say, I got like, I got a little bit of a crush on the Grainy Days dude because I like his specific brand of like mm -hmm. self-deprecation and like douchebaggery. Yeah. It like it's touching. It like mm -hmm. I, I can relate to that. It's just like I like this guy. He's kind of he's my kind of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I actually I sent him a D here. I'll I'll read it to you. I sent him a DM because I would love to have him on the show here. I got to find mm -hmm. um, What's up, Barb? Barb's going to be on, on the show um, week after next. It's David is going to be um, on after you. And then uh, my homie Barb from Saskatchewan is going mm -hmm. to bring me another fellow Canadian. Cool. But, uh, which, uh, which Grainy Days uh, one were you watching? It's the very latest upload. It was one where he pushed Sinistral 50D to fall 400 ISO, like three stops. Oh shit! Okay, that's. Uh... And, and it's interesting because most people are kind of doing videos and posting sh shots from like since 800 T. And not a lot of people are doing content about 50D. I'm really interested in 50D kind of slower speed films in general, anyway. So, so it was kind of curious to see what he did with the with the push. I'm a big fan of the 50D, and I just shoot it native. I just shoot it at 50 in lots of light. I've also shot it with uh, with strobes, and it's worked good with the strobes. I really like the 50D. Um, it's a really nice film. I've never tried pushing it, though. Yeah, I sent, I sent him a message. Hi, Jason. Not sure if you read your DMs, but I figured, why not take a shot? I love your videos. In a sea of people making the same film photography videos, yours stand out. I started doing this weekly Instagram live thing I call Photography Chat. It's a super creative name, I know. I spent seconds thinking about it. 
so far I've been having photo pals. I know on the live, but I've got this dude from France that reached out and he wanted to be in it. And I was like, damn, maybe this thing has legs. So I wanted to hit you up to see if you'd be into doing an episode. You can check him out on my IGTV. Let me know. If you say yes, I'll probably scream like Jonah Hill and accept it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the kind of message that he'd actually accept. So Right. Yeah. I figured it's like fanboy out, but make it funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, JP said he just shot some 50D yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's up, Jana? Um, yeah, dude, if, if you've not played with it, I would highly recommend the 50D. Mm -hmm. I actually shot because um, I'm doing like a sort of like an ongoing like a long term portrait series mm -hmm. and uh, one of my subjects I shot on 50D actually maybe I've got I got it here on my profile somewhere but we should da, 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 da. Yeah, Paul, it'd be great to get Jason on here but today we have Tony on here so if you have oh that's beautiful man that's on 50D. Nice. And I just really like the kind of quality of it as well. And that was kind of like end of the day, kind of like not a lot of light as well. So I was actually not sure it was going to come out very, very sharp. It was perfect. It came out so nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is a, it's a bit of a dreamy film. Like, I mean, all of those cinematic stocks have such a, such a beautiful look to them. Like, we've talked a ton about um on like other episodes how much i love like double x like for mm -hmm. black and white that one is such like a mm -hmm. it's so so good for for that but the the 50d is is uh is pretty fantastic yeah um I mean, but... i'm a filmmaker um originally like that's like my main profession if you like and so kind of working with sort of cinematic film stocks is kind of something i kind of really did mainly for like test shoots and stuff when I was kind of prepping on films and whatnot. And yeah, well, why don't you take a second and just like tell, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Oh yeah, oh, well, so uh, I'm a British Nigerian filmmaker and photographer and I kind of uh, traveled a lot kind of growing up as a kid. So I spent a lot of time in the US, um, in Nigeria, in UK, now in France, um, kind of travel a lot for work and various things like that. Uh, I make primarily feature films that um, narrative feature films and like short films, music videos, that sort of thing. Um, but I've been, I've been shooting for, for ages. I, I was, I was that kid kind of like, you know, at the parties with, with my folks and kind of like just like taking pictures of everyone and everything and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. I started shooting back in the time when it was just film. So for me, it's kind of like the resurgence is kind of nice, but then at the time I was kind of shooting very much in a, in a very disposable fashion. Mm. where kind of like the way people shoot, shoot with an iPhone right now, I didn't really think too much about settings or what I was going to get out of the photo or like looks or aesthetic or that kind of stuff. It was just like, oh, I'm just going, we're going out somewhere. I don't want to shoot stuff with my friends or we're on vacation. I'm going to take some photos and you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. I got like a whole bunch of negatives that I kind of just shot with like no particular points or reason in mind. That's not like I'm a photographer. It's just like, I'm just documenting stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of slowly kind of got back into actually kind of like the more deliberate photography, like uh, maybe 10 years ago or so, maybe a little bit more than that, I'm not sure, when I started shooting film again, and then just kind of 
just documenting a lot more, doing like doc documentary photographs, doing portraits, that sort of thing, um, alongside my film work, and then doing sort of like photo journals as well, um, like um, behind the scenes of my various films I've worked on and that sort of thing. So you, you said you got back into film photography, like, you know, what, what got you back into it? Uh, oddly enough, it was lobography. Okay. Um, because um, I'd never, I guess it was a point where I was shooting quite a bit of digital, I guess. So that's when digital kind of became like the resurgent thing and everyone's shooting digital, loads of sort of small point and shoots. Um, and I kind of came across a Diana camera. This was like in the really early days of lobography. And yeah. I just really loved the look of the images. And I was like, wow, like you can really, you can still shoot stuff like this, like on film and stuff. And, and so I kind of got the camera and I, I, I shot a bunch with it, but not actually that much. Like maybe like four or five rolls a year, something like that. Like really not, not a lot at all. But what I did shoot with it, I really enjoyed. And so I was like, wow, I think I really need to do this a lot more. But then at the time I wasn't like developing any, I mean, well, I'd done photography, um, courses when I was um, in, in college, well, no, actually well, in high school. And so I'd done darkroom stuff and, you know, studio work, all that kind of stuff. Like I hadn't done any of that for like years. Okay. So I was still kind of just like sending off my film for development and not really thinking too much about it. So I was kind of getting really crappy scans. <laughs> and, but, but for me, I was kind of interested mainly in the images anyway. Um, I mean, even now I'm not, I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not really a pixel peeper. And like I don't, I don't really care if the image is like super sharp or, or like has dust on it or whatever it is. Like I, I kind of like like those kind of organic elements as well. So, so like, they like get all intense about like a Sumacron and like all of the like you know. Exactly. Like, like I really, I, I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> kind of like you know, oh, well, this lens is better than that lens. I'm like, well, it shoots the same. It's about fifty millimeters. So. So lomography kind of like really appealed to me in that sense, in that sense of like just kind of just, just go out and shoot, don't think about it, kind of like a, appreciate the sort of like happy accidents and experimentation and that sort of thing. And okay. eventually that kind of got me slowly back into it and I got a kind of AU1 program and then kind of like slowly kind of started moving back into the, a, a kind of space where I was shooting a lot more frequently and a lot more deliberately and stuff. Nice. But yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, film as an aesthetic, as a look, I prefer as well, anyway, for d um, to digital, um, not just for stills, but for, for, for films as well, for cinema. Um, so it's something I try and do as often as I can, really. That's very cool. I appreciate you sharing, uh, sharing your story there. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm guessing you're not shooting with just a Diana anymore. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of gotten into a little, well, I guess my gas has kind of slowed down a lot now because I've kind of achieved the various levels I wanted to get to. Okay. So I guess my first big sort of like splurge purchase was for the Leica M6. Wow. Okay. And I, and I got this, and I got it at a time, this was kind of before the hype kind of really started building up for film photography and people kind of getting back into it and stuff. So I got it for like a really good price. I mean, like, in like three three figures kind of kind of price. I can't remember how much I paid for, it, but like, I was like, really, like, I had to get it. Yeah, man. Um, and so I got it. Um, and I'm I'm also kind of very much like a one camera, one lens kind of shooter. So I'm not a big on sort of like compiling on lenses and stuff for gear and all that kind of stuff. I just kind of get yeah. like a system. 
So I've got like a bunch of demography cameras and the M6, and then I kind of started slowly moving into sort of like this idea of having like a specific camera for a specific function and one camera for each kind of format. So I kind of wanted like a really small point and shoot. I mean, I'm really big into design as well. So I got like a Minox 35 GT, which That's is super fun. compact, really super compact 35 mil, um, like sort of a point and shoot, I guess. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It's a yeah, great I love that camera. This will probably be a giveaway when I reach 2,000 followers. Oh, nice. Yeah, whenever that happens. Some lucky so-and-so is going to get that and be very happy with it. Yeah, yeah, hopefully they make beautiful pictures with it and it does, mm -hmm. does end up sitting somewhere. But yeah. And so I got that, and then I started getting into medium format as well. Um, so I got like, a, like an RB, again, before kind of all the hype started again. So I was lucky in terms of pricing and like, I was kind of a, a little bit, a little bit annoyed when everyone started getting like the RZ, RB, and I was like, oh my God, now it's everybody. I think I'm, I'm like falling in some kind of bandwagon or something. I was like, Jan, Jan just gave a ton of hearts for that. So I think you've hit a soft spot for her. And, and yeah, and then now I've kind of like, reached sort of like my, my final form of like large formats where I've got like a crown graphic for four by five and I'm currently building my own eight by 10 camera. Oh, beautiful, man. That's so I've not made the leap to eight by 10 yet, but I've got mm -hmm. a couple of four by fives that I love. Like I've got a super graphic that's pretty cool. The mm -hmm. rangefinder works well in it. So it's kind of like, it's a run and gun kind of four by five, which is mm -hmm. weird for saying like run and gun four by five. Um, and then I've got a Wista four by five that I absolutely love. Like that okay. thing I've taken all over North America with me and I've done a whole ton of like Polaroid uh, portraits with it for friends and stuff. And mm -hmm. I really love that camera. Um, but yeah. I've got yeah, because you're a big Polaroid guy, right? Huge Polaroid guy. I love the instant films and the mm -hmm. instant film community has given back so much to me. Um, you know, it's, if it wasn't for the instant film community, I wouldn't be doing things like this because I wouldn't have met a lot of the photographers I've met. So it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, Polaroid's been really important and special to me in that regard. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Like the, the photography community in general has just been um, pretty mind blowing. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it it's cool too because like I mean, you know now now it's like it's gone to a global experience for me because like you reached out over the internet to hit me up to be like yo I'm like interested in this thing and I'm like holy shit you're in France <laughs> like so far yeah. all the photo pals have been in like North America so oh um mm -hmm. Jana has a question on thoughts on the Lomo Instax wide for four by five that was just announced what do you think about that. Oh, I I was very well. I still am very tempted by it. Um, I mean, because I'm a big fan of Instax in general, especially the wide. Um, just because I think quality-wise, the images are kind of like sort of best that Instax has to offer. Um, the square is not bad, but I think the wide kind of for me is like a form factor. It's kind of like it's unique while also offering a very uh, particular aesthetic. So being able to shoot it on on like 
bigger cameras, even if it's just doing like an RV or, 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 or large format, I think really offers a lot of possibilities um, because most Instax cameras, especially for the wide format, are not very good. Um, and, I, and I find that's like, the, that's like the main drawback for Instax is that the auto, automated features kind of like don't really help the format as much as it could do, not like with an SR680, for instance, um, where you have sort of some more manual control. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited by the idea of kind of having something very simple to be able to shoot sort of in stacks in four by five with because the, the the hack is is useful but it's such a pain to go through like loading the sheets and the holders and putting it back into the camera and stuff and I mean I tried it like a couple of times just like testing it and stuff and I I was like I, I really like that I can get really nice results from this but I don't know that I want to kind of go through that workflow each time and it's like yeah. super slow. The the Instax wide hack is is annoying. Like you know, Cinedar was the first one to show me that uh, Dave, mm -hmm. and he took a couple of beautiful Instax wide portraits of me last time we were in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and like for, as far as like a film goes, the Instax wide is such a beautiful film. It just yeah. makes me sad that all of Fuji's cameras are shit. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's other than the really expensive Mint camera and like the lot yeah lock it was calling, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah there's no good cameras for that that film which has always kind of bummed me up because i'm like it's a beautiful stock that deserves a better camera so exactly. I'm kind of, i like this idea of the back so i'm curious to see feedback from people that, that get it mm -hmm. uh, barb to your question yeah it is it's a four by five bag what's up dave <laughs> we were Speak of the devil, we were just talking about you shooting Instax wide with your with the the hack that you were showing everyone. Um, but yeah, Barb, it's it's a Graphlock four by five back for Instax. So it was just something that Lomography announced, and it looks like wicked dope. So that would actually be sweet for my super graphic because then I could like really run and gun and shoot Instax wides with it. And oh, absolutely. I mean, like, um, I think it, I mean, the super graphic is, is sort of similar to, like, I guess, like the Camerodactyl, um, not the OG, but is it the OG, the 4x5 one that, from Camerodactyl? Uh, here, let me grab it. Yeah, so this is, this is the guy here. It's just, like, the, the newer version. Oh, okay the crown mm -hmm. um but it's got like a, a decent like the rangefinder on this one actually like works really well and mm. it's kind of portable-ish mm -hmm. and um it does have like the graph block back on it so yeah i think i could just like get one of those four by five backs and just like turn this into like my instax wide <laughs> <laughs> like a su super overkill like <laughs> his tax yeah and then i just got to get like one of those mets flashes for the side of it and mm. then you know that would actually be a fucking hilarious getup honestly yeah. like have the big like ouija style or that uh, the guy in new york what's the name of the dude in new york that does the uh the um portraits all the time like he's like the super famous dude that um has been doing like the four by five, like the pack film portraits for like generations. 
Oh, I can't remember his name now. But um, yeah, he's got like a crazy funky setup. So yeah. he can shoot those. Is it Nick Collingwood? No, not Nick Collingwood. No. Um, I can't remember. Oh, oh, oh I know. Um, it's um, uh, old black guy, right? Ja I, yeah, I think it's Jaff Photos or something like that. I think that's the that's the one, Jana. You're right. Yeah, there's Jaff Photos, but there's there's the other guy as well. And oh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? He has he has he's got like the the hat and stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, that's, that's the guy. He wears the hat and he looks like super yeah. old school. And he's been like doing it forever. Mm -hmm. today. Like since Christ was a cowboy, he's been like doing yeah. it. Yeah, like it'd be cool to like set it up for for something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. they're still shooting peel apart. They're, they're shooting like FP one hundred C and Lu yeah, Lewis Lewis Mendez. That's the guy, Lewis Mendez. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, group effort. We figured it out. <laughs> yeah, the dude. It's really weird because like every every so often there'll be like an Instagram account that pops up and just like it's Louis Mendez. Like it's following him. Like like really? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, yo, I don't think that guy actually. I don't, I don't think that's him. <laughs> I don't, yeah. think he's, I don't think he's ready for Instagram. I don't think Instagram is ready for him. No, I don't. He would probably he would probably break the grams. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be like King Kong ain't ready for this shit kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, he'd like Denzel the shit out of Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that shit. Um, well, I don't know, because you know, for the insects, I mean, for the back, I mean, as tempted as I am. If I kind of had like a bunch of disposable income that I could sort of like throw throw at it, then I wouldn't mind, especially since it's coming like next year. But at the moment, I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, I want to kind of shoot formats the way they're meant to be shot. So I guess like with 4x5, especially since I'm just getting into it, I kind of figured like I might as well just shoot sheet film or paper negatives instead of kind of going through this whole idea of like shooting Instax on it, which is not exactly the exact sort of frame, etc., all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, plus, also, I'm shooting a lot more of uh, my Polaroid SLR 680. Um, so I kind of just figured, just try and make the most out of the cameras and see how much I can get out of it. And yeah. if I ever kind of want to dabble, then maybe I might consider it, or I just use a hack for a couple of shots, kind of thing. You know, so, so, so that way I don't kind of feel like I'm stuck with like a thing I never end up using. <laughs> That, yeah, that's fair, because, like, that's sort of where I'm at with a bunch of stuff, because um, I just have so much gear now mm -hmm. that I can't fire it all, all the time, so it's just, like, I'm looking at some stuff being, like, okay, there's a bunch of shit that I should just probably get rid of and drop, like, two hot rocks. Yeah. Um, But then there's, like, a bunch of stuff that I have, like, extras of, like, I've got, like, six Sun 660s right now for doing like oh, wow. workshops mm -hmm. that, and I, I ended up just buying them recently because of covid um because i i was gonna do this instant photography workshop with mm -hmm. a gallery here but the original idea was we would have like 10 to 12 people and i would just have a bunch of different cameras like instax mini instax square instax wide a bunch of different polaroids and mm -hmm. everyone would try one camera like a couple of times over Mm -hmm. and so we would just cycle around the cameras and everyone would get to try each kind of format but now covid that's not really as palatable of an idea because like you know we don't really want people sharing things like exactly. that so i was like okay everyone just gets polaroids now um 
And Polaroid might loan me a couple of cameras, but mm -hmm. I decided I was like, you know, instead of waiting on them to find out for sure, I've just got a bunch of Sun 660s because those work really well and a yeah. bunch came up cheap online. But then, yeah, there's like a ton of 35 mil stuff that I should just get rid of and like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm really downsizing as well because like, I had like a SX70 for a while and as much as I love that camera and like with the original leather case and everything, I was yeah. like, I don't use it as much as I use my SNR680. So I kind of figured why would I have two Polaroid cameras? I've still got sort of like a, a big sort of like box camera as well. And I was like, eh, I don't know. But um, but yeah, so I can have like just like that one camera. Um, I've got like one half frame camera that I got specifically to shoot sort of like my daughter growing up. Oh, cool. Um, and then I got um, the four by five, so the crown graphic, primarily for four by five stuff. And then I've got like one TLR, then one six seven. And I kind of figured like that's about enough for me. There's loads of cameras that I, I would love to shoot or that I, I kind of like really love the design and the aesthetic of it and stuff. Yeah. But that I kind of can't justify getting because I, I, I don't really need them for anything. And it kind of doesn't really fill a hole that I'm kind of lacking at the moment. So. Well, you, you need it because you want it. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like in, in a bit of a similar camp with that. Like, um, but the SX-70, I actually shoot my SX-70 a lot more than I do the SLR-680. Hmm. I've been liking the color I'm getting out of SX-70 film more than I've been liking 600 film. Oh, okay. And also using it with strobe, like studio strobes, has been really mm. um, That, like, I was as, as soon as I started fucking around with that, being able to uh, hook it up to my wireless triggers and use it with, with the studio lighting, I was like, okay... Mm. Yeah, this thing's the shit. I like this camera a lot. Um, whereas I can't do that with the 680 because it's got yeah. the built-in flash. Mm -hmm. So that's given like my SX70 a new light, lease on life. And I've got actually a, a bunch that I'm mailing down to Zane in Texas that he's going mm -hmm. to. He's actually going to do a really cool thing for me. So I've got a second silver SX70 that's janky, but the mm -hmm. fellows are good. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've got. An, another SLR 680 that the bellows are bad in. So he's going to take the two of them and make me a silver mm. SLR 680. Right? Yeah. So I'm super jazzed on that because like, that's going to be a rare boy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he's going to tune up one of the other SX 70s to shoot 600. So I can use that in the studio mm -hmm. if doing um, ND filters. Yeah. Um, have you done any sort of like projects on, on Polaroid or you mainly just kind of shoot it to shoot it? Um, so I've done a couple of like sh creative shoots with pals on Polaroid that have turned out really good. Um, I did a quarantine project that I don't know what I'm going to do with, but like for the first like 50 some days of quarantine, I was taking one or two Polaroids a day. Oh. Um, and then, because at first they were like, it's only going to be like two weeks. I'm like, I could fuck with two weeks of Polaroids. Like, that's mm -hmm. not bad. And then it started getting hard to find film because of quarantine. So it's just like, oh. I, I sort of like broke-ish quarantine a little bit to like go out and buy more film. Yeah. Um, but that was like, 
not terrible experience because Best Buy was like wicked awesome about that where you can order online and then just do curbside pickup. So it's like, I didn't oh, have cool. to interact with anyone really. But then when we were rolling into like day 50, I was like, fuck, this project's getting like hella expensive and quarantine not like ending anytime soon. And I'm like, now it's just getting like fucking boring. Like, it's just like me and my house. Mm -hmm. so I have all these photos that I don't, I don't really know what the fuck I'm going to do with them. Honestly, it's mm -hmm. like, it was a sanity project. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's like a lot of my photography, honestly, like I've got tens of thousands of photos that I've shot on film in the last mm -hmm. three and a half years that there's a high likelihood no one's ever going to see any of those photos ever. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to get out of that idea of, well, that, that kind of like trap of like shooting stuff and then kind of just like hoarding it. Yeah. I'm trying my best to either put it together into like a book or a zine or just kind of put it out there somehow or do prints or you know that kind of thing so shooting with a bit more purpose I guess especially with Polaroids because I'm with I mean other than sort of just like sort of general documentation and stuff yeah I've actually done I guess like two major projects on Polaroid oh nice like there was one like one I did which was like a sort of a, a, a Japan Polaroid photo book and then I was doing like a series about the Cannes Film Festival because I was going like more or less every year at one point. And then I kind of thought, um, oh yeah, I'll just kind of like document my, my, my time there and stuff and, and just kind of like shoot a bunch of photos. Uh, and then it kind of got to a point where I was like, oh, like if I don't go to Cannes, do I now feel guilty for like not shooting stuff or do I just force myself to go just to shoot stuff? And so that kind of like ended up hitting a bit of a roadblock. Yeah. Um, but then the Japan book, I managed to actually put together into like a proper book and put out and stuff, which I was very happy with. And I, actually, I can show you the original Polaroids. For sure. And my, uh, my homie Julianne just said, zines are always the answer, which, you know, she's got a soft spot for zines because that's sort of her thing. If y'all want some like funky artwork and zines and stuff like that, check out Foot to Face. You should give her a follow. She makes oh, really nice. nice stuff. Yeah, and she's to face. All right, I shall keep that yeah, in mind. She made this. She made this shirt, which is one of my favorite shirts. I love this shirt a lot. Oh, that's so cool! Is that like a guillotine? Yeah, it's a guillotine. Yeah. Nice. She. Uh, she loves the very graphic. Yeah, she made the graphic and screen printed it herself. She's extremely talented, so you should give her a follow and buy her artwork because, um, you know, support artists. I will do. <laughs> so, probably ships internationally, too, so. These are, like, my original Polaroids from, from the book, which oh, I, cool. I kind of scanned them and then put, like, laid them out slightly differently. You can sort of see. This was, like, the early days of, like, Impossible, so you can sort of tell. <laughs> Some of them are not exactly the best. But, but I kind of like... I like how imperfect it was, though. Yeah, yeah, me too. They got some stuff like that. And Julian said, international shipping is no problem. So American friends and global friends, if you want to buy her work... Perfect. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Um, yeah, I got to say, like, I do get a little grumpy with, like, the the fanboys and stuff like that that like to shit all over 
Polaroid and everything about it like not being perfect and it's like it never mm -hmm. was perfect though like, exactly that's kind of the point right I mean yeah. if you want perfect images go shoot digital <laughs> yeah if you want yeah go shoot digital go shoot film go shoot whatever like I mean the old formulas of past that everyone loves and that worked so good are long gone they'll never be back again like they're they're gone mm -hmm. it's just like I don't know. I, I think about it as like a privilege to still be able to take this this object that's like, you know, 30 some years old and mm -hmm. still use it today and make it a functional object. And if that yeah. costs me $30 every time I want to do that, that's a privilege to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm stoked that that's an option if I want to make this thing breathe life again. So absolutely. Well, I, I think for me also, the, there's the magic of Polaroid that still exists that has been exactly the same from the moment like they created the camera system and everything and the film format and today go up to anyone regardless of who it is and take a shot and watch them watch it kind of develop in front of their eyes and it's always like whoa it's always like that kind of like you know yeah there's still such a magic about it like it's so it's such a beautiful thing and like being like giving someone a tangible thing is such a cool thing and like the different film stuffs too like um i just started playing with duochrome i don't know if i have yeah so this one this was my first shot of duochrome and i just love like how it came out just like the way that the film breathes light is really really cool mm -hmm. um and that's just yeah there's there's nothing else like it like it's just such a cool format um and then you know even when even when shit fucks up like i bought a bunch of film that had like bad um mm -hmm. that had bad, oh, bad hacks so i used it to make like emo boy art because <laughs> nice. um, you can still use that shit and then like this was cool so i bought a mini passport recently Mm -hmm. um and it had some like janky janky fp100 that like who fucking knows how old it was in it but the mini passport is cool because it's a two lens one so i was like oh i can mm -hmm. do like instant diptychs with it and so like this was um one of the shots i took with the oh, old fire film mm -hmm. and the, it's on my it's on my feed but it looks it has like spots on it that almost looks like it's like speckled and diseased like it's just mm -hmm. Is really cool um so it's yeah like that's it's just such a magical it's a magical medium in like the whole instant film and polaroid and all of that like it's it's beautiful mm -hmm. um yeah that's dope that you ordered some packs of it janet you're you're gonna love them and um it is magic julian definitely and jp it, it is a it is a good way to look at it. and we've got armand of the denton camera exchange joining us now. Oh, hello. Yeah. I think I saw Frank Thorpe join. I'm not sure if he disappeared again, but. Oh, let's see if. Uh... If, if, if he's still in there. Love you. Love your work, Frank. Yeah, Frank is still in there. Thank you for joining us, Frank. Yeah. If, if anyone in the, the chat or like in attendance, if y'all have any questions or like, you know, want to hit Tony up about anything, feel free to like punch stuff in the chat. This is an open forum for you guys. You know, we'll. Yes, we'll... please. We'll riff things out until, um, you know, you all have a question about anything, but, you know, don't be shy. Hmm. Um, so do you have, like, what projects do you have going on right now, uh, film-wise? 
Uh, right now, I'm kind of like developing a bunch of um, screenplays. Like there's some series stuff I'm working on um, in development. Well, one for Netflix, one for HBO. We'll see how those go. Um, I'm kind of like working on the, the sort of release of like my last feature film, uh, which I shot a couple of years ago now. And I'd be, I was going to do sort of like a sort of cinematic, like a theatrical roadshow for the movie, um, but obviously COVID. <laughs> so I'm kind of trying to figure out alternative um, release strategies for that now. Uh, and I'm editing a couple of other things as well. Uh, photography wise, um, I'm kind of trying to, I guess, I, I, like I, I've got this like huge to-do list of like ideas, right, that I want to shoot. Yeah. Um, but obviously now I'm like a four month old, so that kind of makes things a little bit harder to kind of get around like until a certain point, um, plus COVID. And I was working on, on kind of like putting together a zine, which I started already actually, which is like a collaborative zine. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to work around that because the idea for that is that I kind of send, um, a roll of black and white film to a photographer who's kind of like either reached out or kind of like, um, cause I, I put an open call out like last year, I think. Okay. And a couple of people reached, reached, um, got back to me saying they were interested in participating. And so the idea is I basically send out a roll of film and a piece of text. And the photographer has to basically shoot that roll of film uh, in correspondence to that piece of narrative text. Okay. And then they send the roll back to me without seeing what they've shot. So I developed, and the very first time that you see the images are in the zine, in the final copy of the zine, basically. That's actually, that's really cool. So it's kind of like the 400TX project, but with like a twist. Uh, uh, sort of, yeah. And well, the idea is that it's kind of um, working on the kind of like merging of narrative and image. So basically I write sort of the text. And so the, the photographer essentially kind of becomes a director of, I guess, this imaginary film, if you like. And it's how they interpret that specific piece of text. And it's, it's also, there's limitations to how they can basically achieve the images, right? Because you only have the one roll of film and each line of text has to correspond with a specific image. So it's like you could just go shoot like a whole bunch of stuff and you have to really plan it out in advance. Okay. Um, and then since you don't get to see what you've done beforehand, you have no idea it's gonna come, come together with the text, all that kind of stuff. And, if you happen to mess up on your role, then it's kind of like too bad. How are you going to make up for it? How's it going to work with the text? And yeah. there's, there's lots of little things I, I kind of wanted to play with um, this idea of sort of um, a, a zine project that wasn't just kind of like showcasing my own stuff, but kind of like a, a proper collaboration in a way that um, gets to challenge other photographers to basically do something different to what they're normally used to doing. That's really cool. You have a volunteer in the group, uh, Barb from Saskatchewan, my, my homie there. She said, pick me. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking everyone. <laughs> All right. I'll get you two in touch and, and you all can chat about it. Yeah, for sure. And so like I, I did one with a, with a guy called Brett Wood uh, from Australia called Liminal Tart on, on Instagram. And his came out really good. Um, I haven't got a, have I got a copy somewhere? It's in the other room somewhere. But, um, but his came out really well. And then I had a couple of other people lined up, um, including uh, Brandy and, um, 
and Laura from Film Photo Geeks were going to do like a joint like challenge thing. Um, but then when COVID hit, I kind of figured it might not be wholly responsible to kind of send people out shooting out in the streets or wherever else they might kind of get inspiration from. So I always kind of wait it out a little bit. But what I'm going to do now is that I might end up sending, instead of kind of doing it sort of like issue by issue, I will okay. send out all the films to all the participants at once and then just kind of release them in like a staggered fashion, like one after the other kind of thing. So you you're doing this with a you have a specific writer you're working with or do you are you doing a different writer uh, no well, well i'm writing all the narrative myself oh cool and then i have like one friend of mine who's interested in writing for one piece as well uh so i might get i might get them to kind of do to write something but at the moment it's just me writing if if you are looking for writers i got a homie in la that is a fantastic writer his, his he goes by midnight pudding oh cool oh i love that <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I met him like shit almost 20 years ago mm -hmm. off of the internet. Um, and he was coming to Vancouver to go to some writing festival and we ended up like shooting some, I did some promo shots for him for like his, one of the zines he's working on. And then we've just like been, we've been pals ever since then. And he's like, he's a pretty cool writer. He does like a couple of like comics and like cartoons and shit and he's oh, always cool. he's always grinding to do more stuff because you know that's that whole like make it break it in la kind of thing yeah for sure and i guess it's also kind of the idea of keeping your keeping the creative juices flowing as well and kind of like doing yeah outside of like your scope as well and keeping busy yeah because i imagine it's probably a little bit dog eat dog down there oh and also uh sorry julianne does tons of cool collage poems as well that's part of her artwork so she she is a great writer and would be dead. oh nice oh that'll be amazing yeah yeah absolutely i mean the more the merrier I because mean, i i really want it to be kind of like a community-based thing because the idea is not to kind of like make zines and kind of like you know make bank <laughs> so yeah. to speak i kind of wanted to again okay i'm gonna kind of cycle back to this but i have a bit of a pet peeve with the word zine because for me <laughs> Oh wait, Julianne, earmuffs. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I think of zine, I kind of think of the traditional sort of like copy zine. Okay. And the idea of like, kind of like very do-it-yourself, handmade, cheap, get it out there, simple to make, not like a huge deal kind of thing. That's a zine for me, right? Okay. Um, but great. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for joining. We were just talking oh. about you. Your hey. hair's burning. Brandy. And so, and so, like, I wanted to really do like a proper old school kind of copy zine. Okay. Which is obviously cheaper to produce, and also the aesthetic of it, I think, is a lot nicer anyway. Mm. So it, I didn't want it to become this sort of like big production where it's like, you know, oh, we're gonna make a photo book and it's gonna be this whole thing and like, you know. Um, we're going to kind of just, I like, you know, self-glorify ourselves or whatever it is, that kind of thing. I just wanted to kind of make it about the art and about the artists as well. So if it's kind of more of a community-driven thing where, like, more people, like, there's a whole bunch of different writers and photographers and everyone from all over the place that kind of join, that's kind of, like, my ideal end game. So pretty much. So basically, I have like just a series of all these zines, and then like maybe at some point down the line, maybe after we've done I don't know, like 10, 20 episode issues or whatever, then we might do like a compilation book that's like a proper thing, 
but not necessarily again to kind of like make money or to kind of show off or whatever it is, but more just as like a collection to kind of, I guess, thank the community and everyone for participating in it as well. So you're kind of sharing something out with other people as well. Yeah. And other photographers who appreciate your film, and, you know, that sort of thing. So it kind of helps bring people together and start like this idea of like everyone kind of shooting for themselves and um, I don't know, trying to fight, fight each other for work and stuff. It's all about kind of sharing the passion. Julianne says, for the joy. Absolutely, absolutely. Hashtag zinejoy. <laughs> <laughs> and Janice says, I was introduced to Tony because of Brandy. Oh, cool. Brandy's like my agent, it seems. <laughs> Brand Brandy's awesome. And it was so nice to have her on episode three. I love Brandy very much. You know, she's she's a very special person to me as are all of my mm -hmm. photography friends. Yeah. Dude, that's a really cool project. It's crazy because like, there's so many people who I follow on Instagram um, or elsewhere, and most of that community tends to be in, in, the, in the States, like in New York or LA or whatever it is. And I kind of always kind of feel like, you know, oh, crap, it's like, because I, I haven't been back to the States in a couple of years now. And I'm always like, you know, oh, man, it's like, when next I get back, it's going to be like this whole big thing because there's this whole community of people I can actually go hang out with and like do stuff and take photos and photo walks and go well, check out like I don't know, um, Policon or whatever it is. Well, yes, all kind of stuff. I was just going to say like you've been shooting your SLR video mm -hmm. time. You're going to have to come to a Policon, you know, and, and now they happen. They kind of happen on like Central and West Coast now because um, it typically like it, it's always been in Texas. Up until this year, we did Policon 4.5, which was Policon Bay Area in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. that was the last trip I took before the world ended. Yeah. Um, but it was fantastic. World photo meetup. Some, yeah, exactly. You know, at Policon, hopefully. So we could all have some delicious Tex-Mex at Armand's parents' me casita. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be dope. I'll meet up in Denton. I love Denton. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then Barbara, other, other projects-wise, I mean, I, that, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, other than that, I'm kind of like just trying to figure out. Um, oh yeah, no, I'm working on like a a project. I have like one more role to shoot for it, but I'm shooting it all on Metropolis, the uh, Nomography Metropolis film. Hi, Janet. Thanks for joining us. I haven't tried the Metropolis film yet. I think that's what I've got. That's the sort of weird color stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I just, so I'm running literally my first role of Metropolis in here right now. Um, so mm -hmm. I took a photo of you earlier. Um, oh, nice. On Metropolis? Yeah, of this, of our live feed on, mm -hmm. on Metropolis. So I'm going to take another one here. Can I have some horror film lighting going on here? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> He's good like, like that. Do you like scary movies? I do, actually. I'm a big horror buff. The call came from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite scary movie? Ooh, that's a tough one. Right now, I'd say Dawn of the Dead. Ooh, that's a good one. Like the original Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. Mm. That is a really good one. 
I do. Like that. That's one that I can I can go back and watch like as many times and never get tired of it. I can't. I'm a, I'm a fan of Army of Darkness. Oh yeah, I like that as well. Ooh, uh, JP says Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, that's not bad. I mean, actually, there's a lot of really, really interesting new horror kind of coming out like over the last couple of last couple of years. And um, I mean, Bloom House are doing like lots of really amazing work right now as well. Um, with like, you know, Get Out, obviously, and films like that. It Follows is really, really good, I think. That's not a really good horror, horror movie. Brandy um, says, y'all, I can't hang with the scary movies. I'm such a scaredy cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, do you remember like the, oh, what was the name of the production company? It was this like, production company in the 90s that did all these like crazy horror movies but they had one of these like nazi puppets that like came back to life and there was like one of them he had like a drill head he was like tunneler and he would like tunnel through people and shit oh yeah oh i can't remember but like that whole company had like all these great horror movies for like the (laughs) fuck what was the name of that thing it was so so good um where is it here it's tunneler Nazi puppet. This is gonna screw up my Google algorithm for sure. <laughs> incognito uh, search, incognito search. Full Moon, that was it. It was the, the production company was Full Moon mm-hmm. and Puppet Master. That was yeah, the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Brandy Art. Brandy, for someone that doesn't know about scary movies, I how do you know about Puppet Master? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> And Julianne's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. Like, so they were all, I guess, Nazis at one point, but then they came back to life and they did good things. And they were like, mm-hmm. they reached themselves or something. It was a fuck. The, the whole series was kind of fucked up. And my parents were a little weird for letting us watch them as kids. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like proper, like, didn't get didn't give a fuck just like oh you guys watch whatever because like he's super into or like like not horror but like super into like action movies and stuff like okay. really violent action movies so we watched like all sorts of stuff going growing up and then watched, just like, other random stuff too we watched lots of action movies when i was a kid also but i remember they fucking they warned me one time they were like they rented candy man and they're like you can't watch this and mm-hmm. i was like screw you guys i'm gonna watch it and I snuck downstairs after everyone went to bed one night and I threw it in the VHS machine. And I only got as far as the part when the guy gets his, like, dick cut off in the bathroom. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that scarred me for fuck. I was scared of public washrooms for, like, years after that. <laughs> Should have listened to my parents. I've not finished mm-hmm. Candyman to this day. That's as far as I've ever gotten. Are you going to go see the remake? <sighs> I don't Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost 40 and I'm still scared of Candyman. So That's yeah. like proper trauma right there. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Brandy says, doesn't mean I didn't pay attention to pop culture. I also have friends who talk nonstop about these kinds of movies. Sorry about that, Brandy. Plus, her <laughs> grandmother is obsessed with all of the 90s horror fair. Your grandma's pretty rad, dude. Mm-hmm. That's a dope grandma. Your grandma's got good tastes. Yeah. We should, Your we grandma should... would have been able to answer the, the first question in Scream correctly. Oh, yeah. The one that got Drew Barrymore killed. 
Oh man, that spoilers for Scream. Who hasn't seen Scream? That that whole <laughs> franchise was ridiculous. And then the scary movie franchise that came out of it, that was like, yeah, that was so ridiculous. Chris, I think the Chris Elliott's character was actually horrific as that like butler <laughs> with the weird hand where he's like, let me get yeah. it with my straw. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> just, just picturing in my head, I'm just like, oh. Right. Like the whole the whole dinner scene when he's like touching all the things with the little hand, it was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I can really just like see it, like, oh. Just me shiver. I mean, Chris Elliott was such a hilarious actor too. Like, um, mm-hmm. there was that um, that that one he did where he was at in the out cabin boy that one was like fucking hilarious yeah um and i also liked his handsome boy modeling skit off of mad tv which mm-hmm. was the inspiration for dan the automator and prince ball's handsome boy modeling school oh i yeah. did not know that yeah that was that was where they got the whole inspiration from uh, for for handsome boy modeling school was from the Mad TV skit and uh, one of my favorite favorite rap groups there. It's the you know Nathaniel Merriweather and Chest Rockwell, just visionary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I dude, I appreciate you uh, joining and in, in chatting yeah, with me. No problem. No. I'm surprised no one's really had questions this time. But I think you really enthralled everyone with with the zine idea. Like that, that's one of the coolest ideas I've heard in a while. Like I really dig that, and I'd be down to be part of that. Barb's down to be part of that from a photo perspective. You got Julianne that wants to write for that. I got like another homie that'd be down to write for that. Absolutely, um, the more the merrier. Yeah, so you got you got lots of people that'd be down for that for sure. Everyone but, should like message me just so I just so I don't forget as well. Yeah, so everyone give Tony a follow when when this is over. And uh, for the people I remember, I'll also make sure to link your profiles up. Um, but we got like five minutes left. So if y'all have any questions for Tony, well, we've we've got him on the Instagram lives here um, before he has to like go get some sleep to, to deal with his newborn baby. Um, you know, this is the time. This is time for questions, y'all. This is this is your time. Anything? This is our time. Down here. I'm down here. Sloth is one of my favorite characters ever. Um, Sloth, Sloth is amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's like the baby. <laughs> Ruth. <laughs> um, he... Where do you live, Tony? Where do I live? I currently live in France, in Brittany, in France. So I used to be, um, right before I moved here, I was in the UK for like 12, 13 years. Okay. And before that, kind of moved around a lot as well. So spent some time in the States, spent some time in Nigeria, um, where I mostly grew up. Um, but we kind of traveled a lot growing up. So I was a bit of an expat kid because my dad was in the military. Okay. So we kind of moved like 
every couple of years or so kind of thing at one point and then kind of stayed put for a while and then I was in the UK from like 98 till however long and I kind of came to France like eight eight years ago eight nine years ago something like that Ooh, this is a good question here uh Julianne asks what kind of themes do you generally like to explore with your photography um I I'm I'm very interested in people so I don't necessarily do landscapes, even though I kind of like shooting landscapes and architecture and stuff as well. Um, but I always kind of like to find sort of a personal connection to photography, it, be it through a photo, photograph of a stranger in sort of like a situation or a scenario that I kind of come across or something constructed or kind of just like finding someone within a moment of time. Um, I, I guess I kind of tend towards sort of more sort of classical approach to photography in that sense and that is closer to painting for me okay where if i'm doing a portrait of someone for instance i don't i'm not a big fan of sort of like dramatic poses and you know things like that or whatever i kind of like very simple naturalistic poses mm. um so for, for the most part sometimes if i'm shooting people like i don't even tell them what i'm shooting i just kind of shoot them when i see a moment that I kind of think is interesting. And I like photographs that you can sort of look at and you can sort of create a story around it. Even if it's not necessarily the story of what was actually happening at that point in time, you can sort of like infer something or get a feeling out of it that you can, that basically you impose um, a subject to what you're looking at. Okay. Um, and for me, that's kind of where you kind of get the interests because Strangers have so many different stories happening. That's why I like, I like street photography as well, because you can really just kind of like create this whole history based on like one specific moment in time that's completely outside of what the actual moment was, so to speak. Um, and um, yeah, so it's that idea of sort of almost fictional narratives that kind of like is applied to like an actual real documented moment. So that kind of like really appeals to me. Um, so thematically, I kind of like this idea of like constructed narratives from real life events, I guess, if I was kind of boil it down to like a single thing. That's beautiful. I love that. I think I, I go for a similar kind of thing when I'm shooting people is I don't like posing them. I don't like something that's not natural. So I sort of... Mm -hmm. And that's why I love shooting like waist level cameras because you can get your focus lined up and then you just sort of like you wait and then you just have a conversation with them. And when you see what you want, you just, you hit the shutter and it's, it's there. Like that's, I love medium format for that. Mm. Uh, JP says this was a fantastic episode. I agree. It was great, oh. man. I think this was like mm -hmm. the best episode so far, hands down in photography chats. This might be the episode that gets grainy days to be on. <laughs> if it happens, yeah, yeah shout out to jason aka baxter's dad um i really just want him on the show to get baxter on the show because it's all about baxter um but um i wanted to say like thank you again we're we got 40 seconds left here i really appreciate you joining and i appreciate everyone coming to spend some time with uh with us on photography chat I've got David Hunter next week, a fantastic Polaroid photographer out of uh, Dallas, Texas through Scotland. And then the week after that, it's Barb from Canada. 
we're going to talk about maple syrup and photography. <laughs> so thank you guys. I love you all. And thank you so much, Tony. I look forward to like being part of this project and getting you know, everyone else that, that was chatting on here, part of it. That sounds so dope, dude. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everyone, for participating. And uh, yeah, let's keep growing the film community. Definitely. I'm down for it. All right. I love you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Peace. All right. Bye.